right, I am wishing you all a white Christmas, an Ellen White Christmas. That's right, it's our Christmas bonus episode, guys. Thought we would talk about how early Adventists related to Christmas, and really, really, just specifically the White family. Because some folks out there today are surprised at how grinchy some, some Adventists are about Christmas. Now, not all Adventists are grinchy about Christmas, okay? If you're sitting there riding the work and you've got a Rudolph the Red Nose reindeer nose on the front of your car, obviously this does not apply to you. But there is a tradition of grinchiness within Adventism. I like saying that word, grinchiness. It is delicious. Now, please don't take grinchiness as being a judgmental word. I I only mean to describe the reality that the first generations of Adventists were not entirely positive about celebrating Christmas, okay? Ellen White, in particular, leveled devastating critiques of Christmas. In one of her major manuscripts on Christmas, okay, she only only wrote a couple major things on Christmas, Um, but she begins with 2 Corinthians 6, which reads... (laughs) Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. (laughs) That really sets the tone for the rest of the article, doesn't it? You don't even need to know what she says after that. You can tell what she thinks about Christmas. Now, Now, if I had to guess, I would say that most Adventists are probably okay with some kind of Christian celebration today. They may or may not hang lights and get a tree and all that but they're probably more comfortable with the Christmas season than sometimes it sounds like early Adventists were. My grandmother is an old school Adventist, and she will tell you that Christmas is pagan and that we shouldn't get too excited about Christmas. But, you know, she has a cute little Santa decoration. She just has to put it up each year. And Bing Crosby, I mean, how do you not listen to that voice singing White Christmas, right? So we have this attitude among many Adventists and many Adventist congregations where, um, you know, they feel ambivalently about Christmas. They have strong positive and negative emotions connected with the day. Now, you will have some Adventists out there who have maintained an absolute hostility to Christmas, want nothing to do with it, won't say Merry Christmas, obviously won't decorate it all, will not celebrate with her kids. Um, But I expect that those Adventists are are a very small minority these days. Nevertheless, while many Adventists may no longer entertain the, the forceful arguments that these early Adventists laid on Christmas, especially Ellen White, the tradition of hesitancy toward Christmas, well, it endures. The feeling that Christmas is just not... 100% Christian, not 100% safe, not quite proper even, that feeling remains, even if it's hard to know exactly where where you could draw that line between the sacred and and the common, if a line must be drawn. So let's start by talking about Ellen White's objections to Christmas and how Adventist merrymaking well, how it, how it changed a little bit over the decades. I, I envision this as a bonus episode that we can do every year because there's a lot to explore here. We're just going to be focusing on Ellen White mainly in this episode. But, you know, we could talk about how 
other Adventists celebrated Christmas or didn't celebrate Christmas, how that changed right over time. Uh, there's a lot we could say about this, but we're going to focus on the on, on Ellen White particularly. What specifically did she have a problem with? And how did she handle Christmas herself with her own family? Now, before we get into that, there's a context to this topic that you should be aware of. Christmas to us is this season of hymns and family and food and classic movies and shopping and sales. That's not how it was for Ellen White or anybody else alive in that day, okay? Christmas as a national holiday did not exist. Christmas was either celebrated or not celebrated privately. Puritan Protestants in America who who dominated in the 17th century were known to ban Christmas on occasion. They didn't like its connection to Roman Catholicism or its rumored past fling with paganism or Christmas's reputation for gluttony, uh, overeating. There were dancing and singing and drinking associated with Christmas, even in the days of the Puritans, which they didn't care for at all. Now, there may have also been some anti-immigration feeling in there because the Dutch immigrants brought their tradition of Sinterklaas. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correct. And the Germans brought their trees. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that correct. Correctly. There we go. Anyways, these immigrants and their their own Christmas tradition seemed un-American when they are first coming and arriving in America, right? They, they seem foreign. Like, what is this tree? Why, why does the tree have anything to do with Christmas? And it wasn't until the mid-1800s the mid when this idea that Christmas was a table at which people from all walks of life could sit really began to take root. The night before Christmas, for instance, that poem was written in 1822. And uh, it introduced Santa's flying sleigh. Christmas trees finally caught on to the general population in America in the 1850s. Coca-Cola commissioned an artist who depicted Santa as a, as a fat guy in a red suit. And that was in 1881, guys. 1881. That's the year James White died. Okay, so, so for Ellen White, who was born in 1827... Christmas is this thing that like it, it 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 keeps happening. Like the founding of Christmas as a national holiday is going on during her lifetime. It's not like she grew up with these songs. It's not like she grew up with these traditions. It's not like she grew up with with you know this this these fond childhood memories of Christmas. Okay, it's a it was a holiday being invented before her very eyes. And as you can gather from that very, very, very brief and insufficient timeline I just gave you, it was a holiday that was not exactly being created by the church. <laughs> okay, obviously there are some Christ Christian traditions in Christmas. There we go. But, I mean, Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> Coca-Cola has no interest in the manger per se. They're, uh, they're helping build the meaning of this holiday, the imagery of this holiday, the message of this holiday as well. So the early Adventists were not reacting to an entrenched holiday that filled the lives of millions with joy. The, the, the muscle for a national celebration of Christmas tended to come from businesses like Coca-Cola who saw an opportunity and perhaps politicians who wanted the nation to heal after the Civil War. And, and, and what better way to heal than a national holiday for Christmas that can bring everyone together and focused on the birth of Jesus and, and traditions of togetherness 
and food and feasting and plenty, right? And, and by the way, Thanksgiving is coming up as a national holiday around this time as well. So Christmas and Thanksgiving are, are growing up together in this same historical neighborhood. So Christmas was, as a national American holiday, not simply a celebration of Jesus' birth. Or to put it another way, Jesus is not the reason for the season. <laughs> At least we could say that it's a holiday of Jesus plus Santa. Okay, It's complicated. Christmas hasn't become materialistic or commercialized. It was designed to be that way. In, in that sense, Christmas is truly a, a pluralistic holiday. Religious minorities in America or, or people who don't identify themselves as religious still can find meaning in Christmas. It was, it was designed for everybody to bring them together. You can, you know, you can be Jewish and still find elements of Christmas. You know, maybe it's the tradition of gift giving. Maybe it's, um, you know, getting the family together or something for a meal. You, you can find elements of it that you can celebrate, right? And of course, for Christians, there's, there's a lot of it that they can celebrate. And I don't say this, I don't say that it's designed to be commercialized or that it's a materialistic holiday or a pluralistic holiday. I don't say that as if it's entirely a bad thing, since it's nice to have a holiday that just about anyone can freely celebrate. But all I'm saying is it's not, it's not surprising that Avenus would look at Christmas and say, yeah, I like the Jesus stuff, but I'm not sure about this other stuff. Because Christmas is not an easy thing to parse. It's not an easy thing to just kind of you know, take from it what you will, because it was a group project. It was a group project where everyone got some input into it. And so it doesn't wholly belong to anybody. So let's get on with these objections that Ellen White had. What were they? Well, I'm going to raise two major objections that she offered. One of them, I think you're going to, you probably can imagine her saying. The other one might surprise you a little bit. And let's get with the surprise first, okay? So the first objection Ellen White had was was coming from a place she had a concern for social justice. Ellen White wrote, quote, Jesus identified himself with his suffering poor. And when we do the works of benevolence, we are doing it unto Christ. I want to know how many of us are doing this kind of work. How many will keep Christmas aright? The wealthy bring gifts to their friends, but they are rich still. Then how can this be a sacrifice to them? Then what shall we do to please God? I will tell you, if you would keep this day as you should, you would call upon the needy poor, and if they are in want of anything, supply that want. And when this is done, come and render an offering unto the Lord. It says to your own soul, Christ for my sake became poor, that through his poverty I might be made rich. End quote. And the White is making the point that the incarnation of Jesus was a self-emptying. He emptied himself of divinity in order to take on humanity so that we might be saved. But when we celebrate that incarnation at Christmas, most of the time it's just rich people or middle-class people giving gifts to other rich people or middle-class people. And, and there's not really any sacrifice into this. There's no emptying of anything. It's no, you know, nothing that like really costs me too much so that I can give you something you need. Yeah, I mean, we have today, you know, we could say we go into debt to give people things that they don't really need. <laughs> but, you know, this is her point here. And meanwhile, the poor go without. 
She told Avenus that, quote, if you have not kindly considered the wants of the poor, I entreat you to repent before the Lord and to restore fourfold, end quote. You'll note that she used the word restore. In Ellen White's view, Christians with means owe means to the poor because all Christians are indebted to Jesus, the Lord of the poor. Now, those are strong words, but they, they, show how, they show how deeply Ellen White felt the injustice of well-off church members giving gifts to each other and, and going to parties with each other, while the poor, who, who don't often have middle-class or upper-class friends, go underserved. And all this in the name of celebrating the Jesus who, who sacrificed everything to become a human being. There was also a concern of, of, uh, of class favoritism in this. She also wrote, quote, God is not honored by the practice of bestowing costly presents upon a few favorites because it is the custom. These favorites are seldom the Lord's poor, end quote. Second, Ellen White was concerned that Christmas celebrations encouraged gluttony and selfishness and ultimately just kind of undid the work that Christians were in the world to do every other day of the year. She wrote, quote, I have felt most keenly our danger as a people on these occasions. I have feared that selfishness would be strengthened, that idolatry would be encouraged, and that the love of God be crowded from our hearts, that the record borne to the heavenly courts would show that Christ was made of less consequence than earthly friends, end quote. Now look, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to see on the White's basic point here, right? There is a selfishness in how most of us celebrate Christmas today. Couples spend a lot of money on each other. Honestly, honestly, this could have been better spent, right? We all kind of feel that. We all have too much stuff, don't we? And we just get more of it at Christmas. And some of it is just gag gifts, you know, just meant to make you smile or laugh and sits on a shelf forever after that or goes up in the attic or something. Ellen White's comment forces her readers to ask themselves, does, does the way I celebrate Christmas truly advance me along the path to Jesus? Or is it often, as Ellen White hinted, an umbrella under which I can give free reign to those parts of me that I'm trying to conquer every other day of the year? And that's a question that everyone has to answer for themselves. But it feels like Ellen White is really wrestling with the entangling social force of Christmas, as if she felt that the social force of the day was dominating any attempt to redirect its meaning or shape its meaning. You don't get gifts for people because you love them and want to get them something truly useful. You increasingly have to buy people gifts. I say increasingly in her day, have to buy people gifts because it's expected of you and people will be upset if you don't. And I think Ella White is reacting in part to that. She doesn't like that. This feast of selfishness and gluttony held the danger of undermining everything Christmas was supposed to stand for. So these were Ellen White's two major objections to Christmas. Now, did Adventists also see Christmas as a day tied to the Catholic Church and, even further back, to paganism? Yes, but apparently that wasn't a major objection that Ellen White held. It was, I should add, for other Adventists like A.T. Jones, 
a, a major objection to Christmas, who he, he relished railing against Christmas for its purported pagan past. It just wasn't an argument that apparently meant too much to Ellen White. And I thought that was interesting. Now, Ellen White wasn't completely against Christmas, okay? She offered some positive things which Adventist Christians could do during this season. First, Christmas was an opportunity for us to do a personal year in review. We often just live our lives as Christians. Most of us aren't intentional about growing in the sense that we set goals and we say, this year I'm going to learn to be more patient, so I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to practice patience every day by doing this or that. We aren't really systematic about becoming like Jesus, about cultivating virtue in ourselves. And so we just live our lives and we assume generally that God will just work us out somehow, right? He's just somehow we'll just be more patient by the end of the year. But, you know, that's kind of like saying I'm just going to get in shape by living my life as I normally do and trust that God will somehow give me killer abs, okay? So Ellen White recommends using Christmas as a time to take a spiritual inventory, she wrote, quote, let us review our own course during the past year and compare our life and character with the Bible standard. Have we withheld from our gracious benefactor that which he claims from us in return for all the blessings he has granted? Have we neglected to care for the poor and comfort the sorrowing? Here, then, is work for us, end quote. Now, Ellen White saw Christmas as a kind of yearly day of atonement. <laughs> she urged church members to, quote, improve the few remaining days of 1882 in setting your own hearts in order and making every wrong right. Remember that we shall be forgiven only as we forgive. Let all enmity, dissension, and bitterness die with the old year, end quote. Now, this life in review, this, this process of kind of looking back over the past year and say, you know, how, have, how close have I gotten to Jesus? Are there some areas where I've been failing that I need to work on? It wasn't just spiritual. It was financial as well. Ellen recommended that Avenus add up their yearly expenses and categorize them. Then you can ask yourself, how much did I spend on myself versus how much did I spend on others? What do my financial priorities say about my spiritual state? I think you get the idea, Okay. Uh, second thing she said about Christmas, a uh, positive thing about Christmas, is it's a time to give back to God. And that means donations to the church. Woo! Our favorite thing! Yeah! This is actually a really big theme that Ellen White touches on every time she writes about Christmas, just over and over and over and over again. And Ellen White didn't see this as a, as a kind of like end-of-the-year gift to lower your tax bracket, all right? It, it had nothing to do with that. It wasn't really an issue then. It was, uh, it was more than that. Let us bring our souls to task. That's how she put it in one review article. Quote, it may be that I have been remiss during the past year. I know not when or where, but to make sure I have done my whole duty, I will at the first of the year bring an offering to God to be appropriated as may seem best to some one of the branches of his work. End quote. This donation seems inspired by Job's offering. You remember how Job would bring God an offering for, for his children, you know, on behalf of his children, just in case any of them may have offended God, right? So he would offer a, a, a just-in-case sacrifice. Ellen White sees her offering the same way. Perhaps I've been too selfish with my money this past year, so I will give to God's work as a way of covering any past selfishness. Now, this Job-like offering isn't the only approach she took. She also urged Avenus to bring their gifts to Jesus, as did the wise men. In fact, she found a number of ways of making this point, of, of, of uh, illustrating the importance of 
bringing a financial gift to the Lord's work, to the church. Now, we enlightened people of the 21st century tend not to read offering appeals very favorably. Church is asking for money. Even the language of giving to God, right, by which we mean, of course, a group of men known as the church leadership, it feels a little manipulative among some generations, right? Because obviously I'm not giving the money directly to God. I'm giving it to a group of people who claim that they're being led by God and trusting that that's true. So they kind of see that a little bit more cynically than others. And on that point, I would, I would only remind you that the 19th century was a different age, okay? And that the church at this time truly did want for money. On one Christmas in Texas, Ellen James White found an Adventist believer living in a tent in, in the snowstorm. It got pretty cold down there in Texas. Ellen White actually says she, she, it's been a while since she remembers it even being this cold in Michigan. It was cold. And they had to find this man a house. He's, you know, like I said, he's living in a tent. And so Ellen and James, they had to split their bed sheets with him because they just didn't have enough. Now, today, today, you just run down to Walmart real quick, right? Or, or some store and get some bed sheets fairly inexpensively if, if it was needed. But you couldn't do that back then. It was hard living back then. And every penny really mattered and could make a difference. And by the way, Christmas today is still a major fundraising season for charities and other nonprofits. You just couldn't let that opportunity go by. So, you know, Ellen White, the reason why you'll find so many of her Christmas statements asking for money is because it was a fundraising season. And, and you know, church institutions thought it's a good idea to kind of get Ellen White up in front and asking for money because that's probably going to go farther than, than just somebody nobody's ever heard of. So she makes a lot of those appeals on behalf of church entities. You know, please... Send money to the signs of the times. Please support the missionaries, da-da-da-da-da, okay? And all of this is just worth keeping in mind when we read about how often Ellen White talked about money and Christmas together, okay? Okay. Third, Ellen White supported gift-giving and Christmas trees. Now, this is what she wrote. Quote, while urging upon all the duty of first bringing their offerings to God, I would not wholly condemn the practice of making Christmas and New Year's gifts to our friends it is right to bestow upon one another tokens of love and remembrance if we do not in this forget God, our best friend. We should make our gifts such as will prove a real benefit to the receiver, end quote. So, giving gifts is a good thing, Ellen White says, so long as you get two things straight. First, don't forget to honor God first. Second, don't waste your money that God has given you on useless gifts. Give gifts that really matter to someone. And boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, I think people today do try to get gifts that someone needs. Those are the kind of gifts we would like to buy for people. But let's be honest. I mean, more often we choose gifts based on what someone might want or what they might find funny or occasionally use or, or would look good or whatever. Now, when it came to Christmas trees, she wrote, quote, I see no objection to placing even in our churches a Christmas or New Year tree bearing fruit in gifts and offerings for the cause of God we may thus take advantage of the occasion to turn the customary gifts of the season into the right channel, end quote. And fourth, I would just say very briefly, Ellen White saw Christmas as a worthy occasion to mark the birth of Jesus. She knew Jesus was not born on December 25th. All right, everybody knew that. Uh, but, you know, since everyone else is talking about Jesus's birth during this time of the year, we might as well talk about it too. And use this as an opportunity. See Christmas as a tool 
to proclaim the gospel. Okay, It's a good opportunity for Avenus to also focus on the birth of Jesus. She didn't think ignoring it would be the right way to go about Christmas. Now, when all is said and done, I think any reasonable observer has to conclude that Ellen White didn't really like Christmas. Her support of Christmas is so tepid, so heavily qualified, that it's easy to see why so many Adventists and Adventist congregations today are lukewarm toward Christmas. She said she had no objection to Christmas trees. Uh, Okay. She said that, uh, you know, it is right to bestow upon one another tokens of love, right? Like it's, it's, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing that we should do so long as we don't forget God first. And so long as the gifts are really something that somebody needs, then, then I guess that's okay. She said that in another place, she said that we should find it a difficult matter to pass over this holiday without some attention. Meaning, yeah, maybe I wish we could pass over this holiday, but we can't. It's there. We got to deal with it. It's hard to ignore Christmas. Ellen White, guys, Ellen White was grinchy. Not just about Christmas, but about celebrations that shined a spotlight on people in general. She wrote, quote, I will not sanction feasts made to celebrate birthday or marriage anniversaries, but will bend all my energies to lift up Jesus among the people, end quote. I mean, I just, you got to wonder, are those two things mutually exclusive, Ellen? Like, can't you have a birthday dinner for someone and lift up Jesus among the people? Like, you have to choose there? When Ellen White was in Europe in 1885, she was there over Christmas, and Ellen wasn't feeling well. And by the way, Ellen White being sick on Christmas or somebody around her being sick on Christmas or dying around Christmas, this was a constant theme in Ellen White's life. Anyways, Mary White, her daughter-in-law, thought it would be a good idea to take Ellen White out for some fresh air. And so, on Christmas Eve, Mary wrote, quote, So after much urging, she consented to walk down with several of us to attend services in the evangelical church, end quote. Mary underlined the word much, right? So after much urging, just to emphasize how much effort it took to persuade Ellen to go outside into this church. None of them understood what was being said in the service, okay, by the way, and the incense everywhere they thought was a bit much, but Mary insinuates that Ellen may have received communion that evening at that church on Christmas Eve. It seemed to do mother good, Mary reported. So Ellen White was a little grinchy, didn't want to go to church on Christmas Eve. But Ellen's general grinchiness doesn't fully explain her dislike of Christmas because she did like New Year's more than Christmas and thought it a better occasion to practice gift giving and to display whatever your holiday spirit is. On one occasion, she admitted that she preferred the phrase, I wish you a happy New Year to Merry Christmas because she recognized that Christmas can be a time of sadness for many families as they gather together without an uncle or a grandmother who may have passed away during the year. A Merry Christmas, Ellen wrote, quote, seems a mockery to that bereaved family, end quote. And that's understandable, right? I mean, it honestly, it shows how deeply empathetic she could be. She was concerned about the poor and the heartbroken while everyone else was out eating and partying. In 1912, Willie White received a letter from a church member asking if Adventists would receive the mark of the beast for celebrating Christmas. 
This was, I would imagine, a, a rumor going around in some circles. Since Christmas was a religious feast day that was deeply connected to the Roman Catholic Church, and Avena saw the Roman Catholic Church as, as part of this Antichrist power. Now, Willie ignored the question about the mark of the beast, and he did reassure the dear sister that Avenus do give and receive gifts at Christmas. However, he said, to avoid the connection to Catholicism, many Adventists choose to exchange gifts at New Year's. If the White family had had their way, would Adventists today be celebrating New Year's over Christmas? Still, it needs to be said, Ellen White and her family celebrated Christmas. A lot. She sent Christmas presents to her children as early as the 1860s. In fact, it wouldn't be until the late 1870s and 1880s that Ellen White really began to grow concerned about Christmas. In 1873, she told her close friend Lucinda Hall how she wished they could spend Christmas together. She urged Lucinda to, quote, tell the children their Christmas presents are forthcoming, end quote. In 1881, Mary White wrote to her husband, Willie, wishing that he would be home for Christmas. The next year, 1882, Ellen White sent boxes and boxes of apples to Mary White for Christmas. Mary also set up a Christmas tree in their home, even if her husband Willie was perpetually not home at Christmas to enjoy it with the family. In 1889, Ellen White sent her daughter-in-law Mary a trunk with mattresses. Please accept them as a Christmas gift, she told Mary. In 1894, Ellen White donated $100 as a Christmas present to her son Edson for his work on the Morning Star. She said, quote, you may count on me for a Christmas present of $100, she wrote him. Now, you know, you can look at this and say, well, apples, you know, $100, mattresses, <laughs> not exactly Christmas presents that we give today. You know, but the point is she didn't have to label them as such. She could have just donated $100 to her son for the work on the Morning Star. Just, here you go. She could have just sent mattresses to Mary. Here you go. Or apples. Here you go. But she made a point of saying, these. This, please accept this as a Christmas present. You may count on me for a Christmas present. She made it a point to label them as such. So Ellen White gave and received Christmas gifts. Her family celebrated Christmas in some mainstream way, such as by getting a tree, even if the family seldom found it possible to all be together on Christmas. But Ella White practiced what she preached. The gifts she gave were useful. They were, they were needed, one would expect. And she didn't make a habit out of sending lots of gifts to lots of people. She tended to confine them to her family. Hopefully, hopefully, this will help Adventists who are listening to understand why there is a culture of coldness to Christmas. I will say that Christmas became a much bigger deal in Adventism after Ellen White died. Okay, I'm launching a blog here shortly on AdventistHistoryPodcast.org, our, our relaunched website a few months ago. Um, the blog is going to come out sometime this week. And the first article is about the Christmas dinner menus that began popping up in the early 1900s within Adventism. So if you want to know what they ate for Christmas, what Christmas dinner looked like in, in some Adventist circles, um, you can check out our inaugural blog post here relatively soon. So in a sense, Ellen White never really got her way with Christmas in Adventism. I mean, for better or for worse. It was, it seems, simply too strong of a cultural institution. Adventists might be weird, that is, different from the mainstream, uh, in other areas, but they were not so weird when it came to Christmas, not ultimately. And that leaves us with the question of whether that matters or not. I mean, is it bad 
that Avenists today are not celebrating an Ellen White-style Christmas. Or that New Year's isn't a more important holiday than it is to Avenists. Was this just Ellen White's opinion? Or were her views on Christmas a prophetic command? Or perhaps can Avenists just take from her the, the principles that she raised, principles about selfishness and gluttony and the need to remember those who are poor and hurting while celebrating Christmas, much like the rest of our mainstream societies do. Well, that's for you to decide. Whether you are Grinchy or Elf-y about Christmas, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Avenist History Podcast. We really appreciate you guys. Merry Christmas or Bah Humbug, whichever you prefer. <laughs>